Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Allen, and it is a pleasure to be with you today as we explore the inspirational journey of how our guest, while just starting out, was also able to scale up. Hayden Harrington is a real estate entrepreneur focused on large-scale multifamily syndication. He currently has $85 million in apartments under management and is actively growing that portfolio. So, Hayden, take us into the show and share a memorable experience from your formative years. Awesome. Well, yeah, first of all, just thank you for having me on the, on the show, Alan. Uh, really grateful for the, for the time and opportunity. One formidable experience, I guess, would be, you know, growing up, I was kind of born into, into real estate. My dad, he was, you know, an engineer by trade, but dabbled in real estate. And about every year, every other year growing up, he'd pick up a, a rental and a, and a flip opportunity. So uh, as a byproduct of that, I, I kind of got dragged into it from a very young age and, you know, have a ton of, of awesome memories just doing work with him on, on those properties. You know, one in particular, we actually rehabbed and, and flipped a home in Pennsylvania that was built in the late 1800s. And, uh, you know, that was a, an incredible experience just to see the different building techniques back then. Um, you'd literally have studs in the wall that had live edges and it was just incredible, you know, square nails, lath and plaster behind the walls. It was just really, really interesting, you know, the way they built back then. And, and then also, cause you know, we've, we've flipped and renovated some, some newer homes too, just to see the difference. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, especially getting to do that with your dad. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great bonding experience. And so getting to grow up in that environment was, you know, I, I felt very fortunate for that because not a lot of people that, you know, they see real estate, but they, they don't know how to get started. They don't know how to get in the door or, or they're afraid to take that first step. And, you know, thankfully my dad was the one to kind of do that and, you know, pulled me into it along the way. So those were, you know, have tons and tons of great memories of, of rehabbing homes with, with him. But, you know, I'd, I'd say that's definitely one that, that hits home for me. And, you know, it, I think it really set me up to, you know, down this real estate path and just planted the seed to, to want to go bigger, really. Well, what a, a great way for an entrepreneur to uh, start out in childhood and adolescence. And uh, so that took you right into real estate. And you started off with a big bang. I think you said something like $35 million on your first deal. So take us down that road and tell us about uh, that first deal and how you got into that. Sure. Yeah, it was, it was a long process, actually. You know, for a few years, I, I just tried to understand. Well, actually, for a few years, I tried to do it myself. And I realized that that was not a great idea because for one, with no track record on the commercial side, it's very hard to get investors to want to hand you over lots of money when you have no experience doing that. So for a long time, it was just a dream. And then after really getting nowhere, I realized, okay, I've got to change my approach. And what I've been doing is not getting me anywhere, you know, reading the books, listening to different podcasts and stuff, you know, is all, is all great information, but if you're not taking the action, you're not going to get anywhere and realized that one day and said, okay, now I need to change my approach. I need to get out there. I need to surround myself 
around with the people that are actually doing this because I've got some misinformation right now. So started going out to meetups and and just trying to network with people because uh, this is a relation. Real estate is a relationship business and it's a team sport. And you know, I knew I just needed to be around the people that were actually doing deals. So started to network and, and meet people and just say, hey, can I take you out to lunch? I just, I want to pick your brain. I got questions for you. Would love to learn. And then as I started meeting people like that, I started to, you know, offer just to work for free because uh, I knew I needed my foot in the door. And, you know, surprisingly, a few of those people actually turned me down. I was kind of scratching my head. I was like, man, I'm, you know, I'm smart. I'm capable. I've got some real estate background and experience. So I'm not coming into this uh, totally green. And, you know, I was kind of scratching my head, like why, you know, what's wrong with my offer. And so the more I started to think about it, the more I put, realized that when I put myself in their shoes, I'm not really offering value. I'm asking for a lot of value, but I'm not really offering any because if somebody that's experienced has a lot going on, and this kid comes along and, and wants to work for free, well, I'm going to have to teach them everything, right? So as soon as I realized that, I said, okay, now I got to I gotta change my approach again. So every, every hurdle, every challenge, every roadblock kind of presents an opportunity to refine your pitch and get better and to learn and, and progress. And so, you know, after a few of those closed doors, I started to realize, okay, now's, now's the time, you know, to change my approach and, and try and figure out ways to offer more value. And, you know, I looked around and I'd, I'd been getting to know the space a little bit. And I realized that the two things that offer the most value is if you can bring a deal or if you can bring capital, everything else, you know, investor relations or underwriting or asset management, all that stuff can be hired. The two main things that really are intangible is can you bring, do you have investors that trust you and or could you bring a deal to the table, an actual deal? And so I, I realized that, okay, you know, finding a deal, especially here in Dallas, it's, it's extremely competitive here. You know, it's, it's very regular to have 30, 40 offers on, on properties and, you know, 10, 15 groups invest in final. So I was like, okay, the, the likelihood of being able to get a deal on the hook and bring a good one to the table is very slim. So I settled on uh, the capital route and said, okay, I want to I want to work on you know building a brand and building an investor base that I can bring equity to to these deals. So you know I didn't have a deep network of people that would trust me with you know 100 grand a piece, but I also didn't want that to stop me from making it happen. So I ended up pitching the idea to to my now business partner Dustin to to start a meetup here in Dallas. He said, you know if I don't have them, I can find them. <laughs> so uh, the idea was to to start a networking event and and to attract people. And uh, over time, that, that grew quite a bit. And, you know, we, we started working together. We started underwriting deals and eventually offering on deals together as a result of that, because, you know, that kind of dating process with your partners, I think is very important. You got to understand who you're getting in business with. And so, you know, the meetup was a great way to get to know each other, how we worked, how we communicated and kind of lay the foundation of our now partnership. And, you know, eventually ended up offering on more deals. And it, it, you know, it's kind of funny, the, the first offer we got accepted was in March of 2020. So for everybody that knows what happened in March of 2020, that's when basically the whole world shut down. So due to the pandemic. So that was an interesting time. I remember 
we got accepted on a Monday and, you know, by midweek, everybody was locking down and we were, we didn't know if we should be excited or afraid. <laughs> Thankfully, we weren't under contract on that deal. So we weren't on the hook for anything and ended up having to rescind that offer by the end of the week, just because everything was so changing so rapidly. So that was, that was tough. You know, we had been working essentially a year together, getting an offer accepted and then a global pandemic. So that was an interesting way to get introduced to the commercial space for sure. But, you know, we didn't let it deter us. We kept underwriting. We kept, you know, talking to brokers, talking to lenders, trying to understand the space, reporting everything back to our investors so that they knew what was going on and took a very active approach. And, you know, up to that point, everything we had really been underwriting was BNC class deals here in Dallas. So you're talking 60s and 70s for the most part. And, you know, the more the pandemic dragged on, the more we realized there's a lot of risk with those properties. Typically with BNC class properties, uh, working class people, working class tenants, so they've got to go to their jobs. They can't work from home. That was a big risk. So we wanted a tenant base that could work from home. Everybody's stuck at home and, and we want a tenant base that can still pay the rent. So that was a big criteria for us. And then the second one was, well, if everything's shutting down and the eviction moratorium was going on, so you couldn't evict. So if you've got the likelihood of people not being able to pay the rent and then something going wrong on the property side, you know, a chiller going out or a boiler going out or anything like that, having a big capital expense, you know, that's just going to magnify the, the problem. So we, we started to shift to newer properties as a result because Newer properties have a better tenant base. They can work from home, a little bit more flexible there. And then they have the property itself has better bones. Uh, they're not as old. So the likelihood of going something going wrong was slimmer. So that was our approach for 2020. That's really how we shifted. Ended up in, in October of 2020 getting an offer actually accepted on a property down in Houston, uh, which is where I'm actually from. So knew, knew the market pretty well. And it was a 2020, 2012 asset, 228 units on the Northeast side there. And we bought it for 128 a door, which was a little over 29 million. And that was the first deal. <laughs> well, that, uh, that is an impressive journey. A couple of questions here. One is you started Meetup. You were saying that it was difficult to find deals in Dallas. I would think that in Dallas, there are oodles and gobs of Meetups already functioning. So when thinking that wasn't an easy undertaking in and of itself. So how did you get that meetup started? How did you market that? How did you attract people to your meetup when they had many, many other options? Great question. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. There's probably a meetup every night in Dallas. So, you know, I, I went to a number of them and before I pitched the idea, I wanted to understand, you know, the competition. Other syndicators in the space, they're your competition. And so if you want to stand out, if you want investors to trust you, you got to do something different. If you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, how do you expect to get stand out, especially if you're new to the space? If you want to make a reputation for yourself, you don't want to blend in. And so the more I started going to networking events, the more I realized the problem with them to begin with, which is, you know, they're typically hosted at restaurants. Typically, it's very noisy. You typically sit down at a table, you eat food, which it's not that great when you're trying to network, talking to people with a mouthful of food. And also the problem with restaurants is you get locked into your seat. So you sit down at a table, you've got two people next to you, and that's who you probably spend the next hour and a half talking with. 
And, you know, that's great and all, but and restaurants are easy because most restaurants say, hey, yeah, bring tons of people. We want lots of business. Come on, we'll give you space. So it's easy to set up, but it's not conducive for networking. And so, you know, I'm naturally more introverted and I would go to these things and I'd walk away with two business cards and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, this is going to take forever. Like uh, this is going to take me years to build a, a sizable network to be able to go and take these deals down or to find the right partner. And, uh, you know, that's when I had my light bulb moment and I said, well, maybe other people are thinking the same. And so the, the whole approach was, okay, number one, I want to get it out of a restaurant. I don't want to do it at a restaurant because it's not a good environment. And then two is I want to make it easy for people like me to be able to network. So first thing we did was we held it at a title office. So we, we, we controlled the environment. We controlled the space and got it in an office space. We had food catered um, from the title company. And then, you know, we kind of made it, we had an educational aspect. And then we also had a networking aspect because some networking events you'll go to, it's just a presentation and they just speak to you for an hour or two. And, you know, that's great. It's a lot of great information, but I really want to network too. So we can kind of combine it. We made them two hour events. The first hour is networking. The second hour is a presentation. So you get a bit of both. But during that first hour, we would force people to mix it up. So every 10 minutes, we would literally run around the room and, and ring a cowbell for people. And we called it your graceful exit, you know, because it's, it's always hard. If you're talking to somebody, if we're having a conversation, say, okay, it's nice to meet you. I want to go talk to somebody else now, right? It's it's not always easy to bring that up. You, you kind of want to just keep the conversation going. And so we use the cowbell as your cue. Hey, this is your, your graceful exit, exchange information with who you're talking with and go meet somebody else because this is what we're here for. Basically acknowledge what everybody's thinking. And people loved it. <laughs> and so you know, I think our first event had 25 and then the next one had 40 and then 60. And then we were hundred plus every month after that ended up having to rent out a, a huge conference room at the Weston hotel and in the mid cities of Dallas and had a huge space, ended up getting a stage for speakers and turned into, you know, quite an event, but, you know, I, I think it was really important to, to do something different and, and just, you know, I'm not saying our, our networking event was was the best, but it was different than what everybody else was doing. And I think that's the, the most important thing. Well, that's impressive to me that you got 25 on your first meeting. How'd you get those 25 people? Yeah, a lot of those people, you know, we filled the room with. So, you know, a lot of industry professionals that we worked with and stuff like that, we would invite and have them come. So half the people we just filled the room with. And then the other half, you know, just, you know, came out and tried it. My partner, Dustin, he has a great reputation in space. And so he knew an, uh, a lot of people. And, you know, from there, word just started to spread. You know, we're consistent with our, we were consistent with our marketing and everything. You know, again, just trying to be very polished, very put together. And, you know, I think people started to notice and just kind of grew over time. So when did you start the meetup? That was, we started it in... About March or April of 2019. Okay. Well, that grew really rapidly, and uh, and your network grew very, very rapidly from that point on there. And so that took you 2019 and into 2020. 
you had your first deal on the on the books there. Oh, that's really quite remarkable. So here you are. You've never done a commercial real estate deal. And yet through, I guess, primarily through this link, through the meetup, you were able to attract potential investors. What was it about you and your partner that that gave investors the confidence to, to come to you? Yeah, great question. You know, basically the whole idea was, especially with the meetup, is we want Want everything to be put together. We want our systems and processes in place so that you know the experience they have with us at an event may translate to the experience that they would have if they invested with us. Uh, I always say the, the little little details make the biggest difference. And so everything we put out towards investors or on social media or the experience that they have, you know, we try and think through every little detail and that helps translate to, to trust. You know, people think that, you know, you care for their experience, you care for, for them and that will help, you know, grow their trust over time. And then also your ability to raise equity, you know, prior to us teaming up, my, my partner had done 10 syndications. So he was definitely not new to this, um, at that point, he had six deals had gone full cycle too. So he had a great reputation in the space. And then together, we were just able to to really amplify it. So he had done quite a bit and had had a lot of experience. Why was he interested in working with you as a partner? Yeah, great question. You know, looking back, I always think, man, he took a big chance on me to, you know, his reputation was on the line when we teamed up to start the meetup. And, you know, I knew that going into it because I frankly didn't have any reputation in the commercial space. So my whole goal was, hey, I want to make him look good. I want to present him in the best light possible. That's how I was able to bring value to the table. And on top of that, you know, we're we're big on our, our character, our morals, our our goals are very similar. And that was important. And, and also as the more we worked together, the more that was able to come to the surface and be revealed and made that decision of working together that much easier. So that's, you know, that's really why I always tell people like, you know, take your time. Don't don't be so rushed into finding a partner and, and getting into things because these these deals themselves are, you know, we underwrite for five, six year business plans. Like you could hold these things for five or six years. What happens if they go south or you're going to have bumps along the way? You're dealing with people and apartments. Stuff's going to happen. So you need to be able to work well with others and who you want to team up with. And so it was a great process just for us for to, to get to know each other, really. And over time, we we worked really well together. We've been really big on uh, systematizing everything so that you know our communication is really good. Our, our processes are really good when we're dealing with whether we we're dealing with trying to do an event or whether we're kicking off a raise, which we're going through right now, or you know whether we're asset managing one of these properties. So you know that was that was really important just to really know and, and trust who we're working with. And, and it takes time to develop that. But I think you can really, if you trust your gut, you can really get to, you know, have a sense of somebody as soon as you meet them. And, you know, as long as you, you trust that and uh, don't ignore details that you, you shouldn't, you know, I think that's, mm -hmm. that's very important. So I'm taking it, the meetup was your initiative and you went to him with the the proposal and the idea on that. And, yeah, yeah, and I did. He, 
and he saw an opportunity uh, in that for you, but also for himself in that. So that's what you're talking about. And, and I mean, I think that's a good illustration there of how you were able to add value. I mean, you said the best way is, of course, bringing deals or bringing money, which of course that is. But in this case, in, in putting this relationship, you were able to add value just by really bringing an, a concept and an idea to the table, which is impressive, really, in and of itself. What kind of relationship did you have before you partnered? You know, it was, we, we just met and networked uh, through networking. And, you know, I took him out to lunch a couple times. I think on the second time, that's when I pitched the idea. And, and we had been texting back and forth and he was, you know, kind enough to answer questions and just take the time to, <laughs> to talk with me, which frankly meant a lot because there was some that, you know, absolutely would not, didn't have the time of day. So, you know, that meant a lot and very laid back, uh, down to earth guy. And he took a chance and, you know, we just started the meetup. It wasn't a formal partnership, but from the get-go by any means, because that's, again, especially if you're coming under one flag, we were kind of doing it separate, but together at first. And the more we worked together, the more we understood, hey, yeah, this is, this is working. Uh, we like working with each other. That's when we formalized and came under the, the momentum flag together. But that, that took a while, you know, that took some time for sure. Well, Wonderful concrete illustrations of how to network within, like you mentioned, you're an introvert and you were you set up a situation where you as an introvert could get something out of that. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can go to meetups and I mean, they could be two hour, three hour, three day events and I could leave with three cards and get nothing out of it. So knowing yourself and coming up with an idea, presenting that and finding a partner to work with that, that all took a lot of initiative. And so we just have a few minutes here, but tell us about how you really, you had to, prior to all of that coming together, you really had to develop a mindset that said, I can do this. I can get into this space. Uh, I can deal with the discouragements and so on and so forth. How did you develop that, uh, that mindset? Yeah, great, great question. You know, it's kind of a fluid process. I don't know if I could pin one thing on it for sure, but there's a number of things. You know, I, I grew up playing, playing sports, I played baseball, growing up from a very young age and, you know, uh, came from the Woodlands, Texas and, you know, very, very competitive schools. And so I just grew up in a competitive environment and then, on top of that, you know, as, as I was going off to college, my parents had a pretty rough uh, divorce. And that's really when I started thinking for myself. I said, okay, I want to, I want to finally start to think for myself and and not what everybody else tells me to do. And I think that was a very important paradigm shift for myself. You know, I didn't turn to, to acting out or anything like that. I just turned inside and started to do a lot of personal development, understand who am I? How do I want to think? How do I want to be? And so I started reading, started picking up books. And, you know, I don't think through high school, I, th I don't think I even finished a book cover to cover until I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. So just fell in love with reading, fell in love with learning and growing. And, you know, I think that was huge huge for this mindset. You know, I, I don't believe in, in impossible. I, I think the word itself is, is pretty ironic because it's literally I'm possible just looked at from a different perspective. So, uh, you know, I don't believe in, in any limitations. I think the only limitations are the ones that are self-imposed on ourselves. So, you know, that was, you know, those two things kind of led to really developing and down that path, of personal development. You know, sometimes uh, the greatest challenges we go through offer the, the most opportunity for learning. And and, you know, when you look at things from that light, you find gratitude in everything. So 
I, you know, it, it definitely wasn't easy to go through, you know, a lot of hard work went into the sports and uh, a lot of, a lot of pain through the divorce, but you know, it, you come outside, you come out on the other side and in a better spot, especially if you, you ask meaningful questions for yourself and, and do a lot of internal work. And, you know, that's really the path that, that it led me down. Um, you know, the, the overarching theme of kind of my mindset is, you know, there's good in everything if we're willing to look for it. And so anytime there's a struggle, anytime there's a challenge, that's really what I, I come back to. And I ask, okay, what's the good here? And that, that enables me to really push through these challenges. You know, when those partners or when those people that I offered to work for for free turn you down, you know, that's hard. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to keep the motivation or you work for a year and then you get a deal accepted and the whole world shuts down. Like it's hard to keep going. But if, if you're only focused on what's going wrong, you're, you're not, you're missing out the other side of the equation, which is the opportunity to get better. And so, you know, those, those two things are kind of, um, you know, sticking points in my mind that really led to the culmination of this this mindset. Well, Hayden, tell our enlightened investors what you have to offer them and how it is they can take advantage of what you sure. have to offer. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, the great thing about this business is you kind of have to have somebody, you, you get to extend one arm up and one arm down, right? Somebody has to help you in and you get the opportunity to help others do the same. So, you know, I'm always open to, to answer questions and, you know, if people want to grab lunch or coffees and stuff like that, you know, I'm always open to, to that and just to be a resource for people, because if somebody didn't take a chance on me, I, I wouldn't be where I am. So, you know, extremely grateful for Dustin and all that he's done for me. And, you know, I want to be able to offer the same to, to others that are trying to get into the space as well. Enlightened Investors, we'll have uh, Dustin's contact information in the show notes, but that is MomentumMultifamily.com and his email is Hayden at MomentumMultifamily.com. Dustin, it's been a delight having you today. Enjoyed the conversation immensely. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Alan. And Enlightened Investors, thank you for being with us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.